Hello, and welcome to Where Am I To Go podcast. Today, before we start the show, I would like to bring up some business things that have kind of been on my mind so that you can know where to get more Where Am I To Go. First off, I'd like to talk about the Facebook page at Where Am I To Go podcast. It's on Facebook, and we've been posting some wonderful pictures of some of the places that we've been and some of the adventures that we've had. Not everything that we go and do is made into a podcast, and so we take pictures at different places and post those pictures so that you guys can enjoy some of the different places we've been. Also, I really am interested in listener feedback. I have an email address at where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is where am I to go podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear some of the listeners' comments and some of their ideas of places that might be interesting to visit and go and do. Today, we are in Cocker City, Kansas. Of all places, what could be in Cocker City, Kansas? Oh, that's right, the world's largest ball of twine. <laughs> we, we came through here last year on our way to Mardi Gras. And uh, on the way, we stopped by here and we did a little yoga shoot in front of the world's largest ball of twine. And Linda, the bell of the ball, showed up. <laughs> oh, and, yes. be and before I knew it, Steve... Are you, are you the editor? Of the, what, what's your no, no, position? No. You're the I'm the historian. The historian. <laughs> he shows up and starts snapping pictures. And before it was all done, we'd taken a tour of the town. We got uh, led into the museum. It's a small little museum that used to be the old library. Uh, we we were going to spend what probably twenty minutes, thirty minutes here to uh, look at the ball of twine, and we ended up with about an hour and a half by the time it was all said and done. Marvelous. And we had so much fun that we decided we were going to come back. I called Steve. He said he'd set it up for us. We're going to talk a little bit about Kansas. We're going to talk a little bit about Cocker City. We're going to talk a little bit about the new Monster Museum that's opening. We've got <laughs> Julie and Matt. Matt here, and they are just opening up a new uh, museum here in town. We will do a separate podcast on that. But... Uh, in general, we're just going to kind of have a conversation and see where it goes. We've been enjoying our morning so far, so let's get with it. We've got Linda, the bell of the ball. We've got Julie. We've got Matt. We've got Steve, the historian. My Linda's here, and I'm here. So <laughs> anyway, let's, let's go ahead and get started with this. Uh, <clears throat> I've always said, traveling through Kansas, that it's one of my favorite places, and I always get sideways looks from people. And they say, what in the world's in Kansas? And I says, everything that ever happened anywhere in the world happened in Kansas. And just as, as a little proof of that, we were driving through a town yesterday on our way here to Cocker City. And we see this sign, Carl Atwood somebody was born here. So we had to look that up on the, on the uh, Google, uh, Wikipedia, to find out who this Carl, I can't remember what his last name was. Can you, any of you guys know I'm who I'm talking about? Think. Where were you? North of, here, north of here. Just... Uh, Kevin Sand Saunders. Oh, Kevin oh, Saunders. Oh, yeah. very good Chanton. friend. No, no that's, a, no, that's another town. I'm talking yeah, about the one before just... that. There oh, it is right okay. there. 
Kerwin, place Kerwin. of Carl A. Hatch. Yeah, Carl A. Hatch. Who in the world's Carl A. Hatch? He must be somebody famous, right? So we look it up. We find out that he was a senator from New Mexico <laughs> in 1892. So... You know, I mean, that's their claim to fame. But as you drive through Kansas, every town, you know, the next one Kevin we came Saunders. to, which is just short from here, it's Kevin Saunders. Yes. Uh, champion wheelchair athlete. There you go. Wheelchair athlete. The guy was born right there in, in just uh, eight town. miles yes. down from here. And uh, every town you come to in, in Kansas has something famous that happened, and they're more than willing to post it. In fact, you guys had your own movie star here, didn't you? Yeah, that's her. Right up there. <laughs> right up there. Claire Windsor. But she was born uh, Ola Kronk. Oh. oh. <laughs> right here yeah. in Cocker City. <clears throat> she, Unfortunately, she just grew up here. It, she grew up here. I, yeah, that's that's kind of a long story. But yeah, I started doing the research. It, all, the, all the movie magazines, she claimed Cocker as being where she was born. But in fact, she was born in, in the little town of Marvin, which is Glade today, which is By up Kerwin. in... Oh, okay. Yeah, south, south, south of Phillipsburg. Here. Yeah. But she was still two years old when the family moved here to Cocker. And so it was easier to just say she was from Cocker because that's the only place she knew, you know, right, growing right, up. Right. But, um, so you guys have, have it doubly. You've got. You've got the movie star and the ball of twine. Now, now you guys are going to have to look up this movie star. I'm looking at a poster here in the museum because we're sitting around a table having this conversation because it's cold outside. But uh, she had to have been a movie star maybe just as sound was coming out, or was she silent movie? Well, she got started in 21. Uh, her first films were with uh, uh, um, Lois Weber, one of the few women directors out there in Hollywood at the time. And uh, then she was picked up by uh, Goldwyn. And uh, then when Goldwyn and Metro and Mayer merged in 24, uh, it became Metro Goldwyn Mayer and she signed up. She was one of the few, you know, one of the first to get signed up uh, as an MGM star. Um. She did some after the talkies. Okay. Yeah. Just a handful. Yes. You know, it, the problem was that the industry was changing so quickly because of Sam coming in in 29. Um, she signed up with MGM right at the beginning, and if she hadn't have signed up, she probably would have gone further because she was, you know, in that contract, and and it it restricted what she could do, uh, and and MGM was farming her out to the other studios to make money off of her rather than you know putting in her putting her in MGM's uh, films. Uh, she did do uh, you know a handful of, of really big uh, MGM films for the time. Um, she ended up making, uh, being in 38 movies altogether. Wow. Um, so. And she's had some family that has come back to Cocker City. I was going to ask if she, yeah. if she came back to Cocker no, to she, retire. Yeah. Or, no, no, just yeah. some family. The closest she got was when they had the opening of Dodge City, um, the film with Errol Flynn. Oh. Uh, back in the 30s, um, she she went to Dodge City. She was one of the invited guests. They had a, a, a train that went from from Los Angeles uh, to Dodge City, and uh, she was on the train the whole way and, and got to participate. But that's as close as she ever got to actually coming back uh, to Kansas. And okay. thanks to Steve and his researching on her, 
Now we know her and we can claim her and we're happy. Yeah, yeah, but I did not see the sign claiming her at the front no. so that everybody had to Wikipedia and find out who she was. I know going across the interstate years and years ago, you know, you'd go, come from Denver and as soon as you crossed the Kansas line, there was a great big poster that said, World's Largest Gopher. And then you went a little bit further and Miss America 1921 was yeah. from here. And and so I mean for and, and John Glenn visited in 1968 or you know I mean it just it, it just kind of goes all the way down the interstate all the uh, every town in Kansas has its claim to fame and it's just it's really cool <laughs> and we just we like to, to think that all of these important people are important <laughs> but you know we have a lot of people that aren't famous that are have been very important to oh, our yeah. history. That's everywhere you go, but we just tend to gravitate toward famous people. So I have a question. Where did this wonderful ball of twine begin? The ball of twine? You're yeah. wanting to go there before we finish Kansas? Yes, I'm very <laughs> curious. Are you wait? <laughs> a man built it beginnings of it in his barn just northeast of Parker City and uh, no idea if people would it would still be in existence and that people would still be coming because he died in the 1970s so you know, and people he, people were coming to his place at that no, time to see it or at that time he just had these loose pieces of twine that had been around bales of hay and bales of straw and at that time, we didn't have big catalogs. We didn't need those great big bales that are along the highway. Now, they made little rectangular loaf ones. Right. And they had twine on it. And have you ever tried to hang anything up on a hook? It's going to end up at your feet. Right. And rather dangerous to walk around. So he rolled some into a little ball, some more into a little ball. And, well, why not put it together? And... Would you believe I can tell you uh, the list of the 90 people who have twine in the middle of the ball that had given him their twine. When the farmers saw that, you know, a place it could go, they took it to him out in the country and his barn. And, and he was from Kansas. Yes. He was, so he's famous. Yes, see, he's famous too. Frank Stober. Awesome. Okay. And... Oh. and you, I think when I was here last time, you said that he had built this ball of twine so big that he couldn't use his barn or he couldn't get it out of the barn. Well, what, supposedly what that they part? took the barn door off. Yeah, it, it just, he, he barely to get it out yeah. of there because it was going to not fit out, uh, yeah. fit, fit through the door. So they got it out just in time. And our, our city fathers, the leaders in the community went out and we have pictures that show them loading it up and bringing it to town. And one of the things I like to say is, he brought it to town, and would you believe he left it? <laughs> <laughs> now, that was planned. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yes, he had to. It couldn't keep growing in his farm. It had to get out of there. And well, and then Kansas was celebrating its centennial, and that was, that and was the real reason. That's why he brought it to town, and it was in a parade and all of this, you know. And so he had it on a big trailer for a year or something. Well, well no, they, they brought it. Yeah, it, they, they showed it in, in the parade over in Beloit, um, and then right next to the, the, um, the post office, 
there was a floor from a building that they had torn down, and uh, they set it there so that people could see it. And it was, you know, they thought maybe a year it'll stay there, you know. And um, they they built a little metal shed over it, the first the first um, you know shed, and um, people just kept talking about it and and it just sort of took off from there and so they end up ended up you know asking him wouldn't you like to you know let us keep it here it seems to be an interesting attraction (laughs) inspiration for sure Mm no and he added twine to it still until he died and when did he die 1974 oh okay i believe I think that's right. I should have. Yeah, I should have. I oh, no, no, no. That's, that's, think, you know. close, close is close enough. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was born. So. And, <laughs> and basically, it just sat there and uh, threw a couple of covers and all. And, and then uh, we started adding it once a year. We had a twine a thon, which will be this year, uh, Friday, August the 20th, I believe it is. And last year we didn't get to have it, so I took twine down there that evening by myself and added a little bit of twine because... I'm surprised there wasn't a... Well, we weren't weren't allowed to do anything. Yeah, but sometimes civil disobedience on things like that just accidentally (laughs) happen. Everybody shows up and and do it anyway. And a lot of people... uh, a lot of people did come when they shouldn't have been maybe traveling so much, but they did and... But I wasn't even allowed to keep the guest register book there. The city said no, because everybody would be touching it, you know. Right. And then, but when people would give me a call or an email, I would, sometimes I just went and hand the twine out of my car window, or or a few people I I was with Uh over this summer, last summer, and into the fall. And with Steve's assistance uh, last summer and for the fall, it wore a mask. (laughs) <laughs> we created a mask. I had a twin blue t- twin sh- uh, sheet and white cord around it. <laughs> and people loved taking their picture with it. And of course, then they could go to the side and they didn't have to have a mask. But it was part of 2020. Right. <laughs> it was wearing masks and we still are, pretty much. And uh, But then I had to take the mask down because the first of October, it turns into a giant, giant jack-o'-lantern. Oh, it's, so you guys decorate it for a jack-o'-lantern at, at Halloween. Yes. Yeah. Then do you make a, put a little white head on top and dress it in red for Santa Claus? No, uh, a little <laughs> bit too much. Some have said they thought they could rig up something and we could put a big uh, Santa hat on it, but we haven't done anything like that. Okay. Well, one of the things that I, I think is really cool is, it, well, my experience with the with the ball of twine is when we pulled up here last year, mm-hmm. we come up to the ball of twine, and the first thing you notice is it smells like twine. Is, is it kind of a, what's that smell? It's, it's kind of a... Uh, it's, a it's a rope smell. It's a rope smell, yeah, yes. but it must be something that they put on the rope, or is that just the smell well, yes, of cycle that would naturally? Be- Part of it, it's it's from the from uh, the leaves of the hemp tree or hemp plants, and I'm sure that the uh, uh, when they're making the twine, there's the, some chemicals and some things probably it, put on it. I don't know if they put creosote on. That's it what it smells like. It's creosote. Oh, yeah. God, yes. yeah. 
And and you can smell that from when as soon as you park, you you notice that it's smell. There. It's like it never really airs out. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. maybe it doesn't air out because you keep adding we pieces of twine. <laughs> <laughs> but what we got here, we we're, we're standing there looking at this ball of twine, and and I need to describe this ball of twine. It's what probably twelve feet tall, twelve getting, twelve foot in circumference. Has to be about twelve, getting up to twelve, and it's over forty five. About 45 feet around circumference. It's 45 but feet in circumference. It's, uh, uh, it's something that is, is just simply fun. And, it is fun. And people really cool. can't believe it. They don't know why he had the twine. I had one lady said, well, you say he kept adding twine as he got it. Why did he keep buying twine? You know, <laughs> the concept of it having been used. And this man had lived through the 30s. And you didn't throw anything away. You might need it. Right. Know? Well, and if he's feed, feeding a lot of hay bales, and they were all covered with the with the, the twine. Yeah. And and like you said, you know, I, I've I've been on farms and that kind of stuff. It's a smell. What do you do with the stinking twine? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you you hang it up and hang it up and hang it up, and you end up with this great big gob of twine. And then you, what do you do with it? You burn it or yes, whatever, is, because you can't do anything with it. This is with. what they used to do with it then. After a while, when they had too much, they would soak it with the fuel oil. Oh, okay. And, and use it, it for fire like, starters? Like in the spring, they would do it. And uh, that way it would, you know, they could do it in a vacant cow lot where the cattle had been or in the green, you know, in the spring. But they... Like I said, they didn't have, I don't know how many, I remember going out to the farm there and buying cream. There was milk cows there, so they had, but it, but we're talking in the 50s and 60s right. and even right. up into the 70s. I mean, they didn't have, but just a few head of cattle, maybe for their milk and for them to eat and maybe sell a few, but they didn't, it wasn't a big thing like but Numbers. still, if you're feeding, if you're feeding a uh, twenty ton of hay a year, and you got thirty bales to a ton, that's what six hundred bales, and so you've got six hundred bales with two pieces of twine on it that are each uh, total length of about four foot, five yes. foot. You know that ends up to be a lot of twine every so year. So this is why the area farmers were glad to have a place to put their twine. They could deliver it to him and he would put it on. And his family didn't even realize this was going on out in the barn. Uh, you know, because his children were grown and gone. They were already away from home. Wow. And so it's... Uh, what an inheritance. I inherited a ball of twine. Yes. <laughs> I had someone yesterday that came and uh, brought the couple. They brought their two children and she had grown up... Mm diagonally how far is it to jewel i don't know jewel kansas and uh she had been seen it but they left the area when she was nine so what did they do during spring break but they load their children up and they come back to where she lived as a child and she had to bring them to the ball of twine and they were so happy (laughs) and i'll tell children uh you have made it the biggest it's ever been. <laughs> and last week... Now, now, we need to back up just a little bit. This is another part of our experience. While we're here, Linda shows up with a ball of twine and cuts us off about a one-foot piece and says, tie it on. And so she's still... I, I don't know how many balls of twine, you know, the, the store-bought mm-hmm. balls of twine Linda's 
provided for the outside of this ball of twine. But uh, I don't have to do it very often now. Uh, people find it, or car dealer or uh, tractor oh. farm supply places. They have some they, they want to get rid of, and I might find some on my porch at home. You know, <laughs> uh, it's it's just it's just so. Uh, Fascinating, they can't understand it. Uh, in and fact, Steve just walked over and oh, grabbed himself a great big yes, ball of twine. That's our display. <laughs> that's what they look like when you buy Bronco them. binder twine, mildew, mildew proof. Yeah, so see, no. it has oh, insect on and, re it. And, and rodent repellent. Yeah, so it's it's probably got a creosote coating. Or and there are then there are some that are they're twice as tall, uh -huh. and they, you know, a little more, but. And they're 600 feet per pound, 90 pounds tensile strength. Okay, but you've got, over there it said you had 20,000 pounds of... Uh, but that's time to be renewed. It's, it's like about 27. And the last, until last year, <laughs> there were three years that we added an awfully lot of twine. Huh. And, and like somebody will call or email and I'll go... And while I'm there, two or three other cars cars stop. Yeah, we were amazed. You know, I, I was thinking, yeah, how busy can the ball of twine be? But when we were doing that yoga shoot last year, uh, when we first came here, and oh, the oh, siren yes. went off at, at right at noon at while we noon. were doing our while we were doing our <laughs> yoga deal. A bit of that more was, of rural America. You hear it really loud I in do. your place I now. Yeah. I was actually just telling my sister about that this I'm morning. Sorry. Tell us about the siren. At, uh, this is something from well, it started when with I my was grandpa. Yes. My grandpa. See, Richardson Manufacturing is, is right there on that the south end of the uh, the block there, and my grandpa built a it had a um, uh, a whistle, a steam whistle that would go off at noon, and he we we still have the clock that he had you know rigged, Jerry rigged <laughs> so that it would go off at the proper time. But uh, um, that's where, where the whistle started, was because of the workers would know when it was noon and they could stop. <laughs> Seems is, like they should have made it noon 30 so they knew when to come back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know whether, you know, I, uh, some, some cities uh, have another whistle at 6 o'clock. Yes. I, don't, I, don't, I think it's, it was always just the noon whistle. Here. I don't remember. I don't remember here, but growing up eight miles away, yes, we had it twice a day. Huh. And uh, see, we don't have big churches with the big church bells that ring at noon right. every day, you know. So the manufacture. Well, what did your What did your grandpa manufacture? Uh, farm implements. Oh, really? Yeah. And okay. that's still. I was going to say you still got a farm implement manufacturing is. place over here, don't you? Yeah. Well, I walked it, by it, this it morning. Was, yeah. Yeah. My grandpa started it, it in was, 1908, and then we sold out to. Uh, um, uh, Sunflower. Uh, Sunflower over at Beloit in eight, uh, 1988, and then they've sold to Agco, so it's part of the Agco conglomerate or whatever. <laughs> okay. But this is just uh, something that is, it's, it's real America, small town America. Right. Where the the, the uh, noon whistle goes off. And See, and we have a nine o'clock whistle in the town uh, right next to where we're from. It seems to me like we had one. Again, in the evening, too. I know we had it five or six, and, you know, as a child, time just doesn't, you didn't remember, you know, but you knew it was, it was time. 
Mm-hmm. When the whistle blew, Paul Harvey was on. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. I've actually talked to people who didn't know who Paul Harvey was. And oh. it just, I, I, I can't believe that somebody would not know who Paul Harvey That's was. Yeah, was he born in Kansas? I know that he was in this area. Where did Paul Harvey actually grow up? I, I know he has an association with Assaria or, or Salina. Um, you know, I don't think I knew that. I know no. he's talked about Oshkosh. Uh, where's Oshkosh? Wisconsin. 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 Yeah. I know that he's talked. Uh, I, I remember mm-hmm. him talking a bit about that, but I'm not sure why. And he was in uh, Chicago is where he was syndicated right. mm-hmm. from. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't know where he was born. But if, he, if it was Kansas, I guarantee you there's a sign as you come into town telling you. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I like listening to Oh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's yeah, right. Oklahoma. Okay. Yep. But people come from everywhere to see the ball of twine. Uh, now you've had it in movies too. Oh yes, yes. What movies? Uh, well, they uh, Beethoven's Third, which was there was the Beethoven's. Oh right, Beethoven, right. Beethoven's Third with the Saint Bernard dog. Yes, Saint Bernard dog, and uh, uh, of course they make reference to. It, calling it the second largest ball of twine in National Lampoon's Vacation. Okay. And then I was going to say, it seemed Johnson's to me that it had something vacation. to do. Sometimes they call it a ball of string or a ball of yarn. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it was on Jeopardy. I liked that they got the answer correct that we had a ball of twine. And, uh, My dad was mayor when, when uh, was the New York... Uh, Let's see. What, what's the uh, not the New York Times? What was it? The the um, no. what's the the financial anyway? Wall Street Journal. Wall Street. They had a a, a, um, a guy come out here and wrote up a story making it was a derogatory article yeah. about <laughs> the ball of twine, and they got inundated with people saying, you know, this, you know, they didn't. It's it's a fun thing. Well, you know? it is. And with, <laughs> You know, he, he, he went by the, uh, he wrote that, you know, there's nothing more to do out here in Kansas than to wrap ball, uh, a ball of twine. And so, you know, my dad, the, the, uh, the um, TV crew uh, of several of the stations in the area up in Nebraska and here in Kansas uh, got him on, on uh, uh, tape saying, you know, well, they, they should come here during harvest and see how hard the people work. Right. No, and... Uh, and the other one that caused a, a bit of trouble, I guess, though it wasn't the Wall of Twine, it was Cocker City. But John Ritter in the movie, uh, Hero, 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 at Hero at Large. Yeah. Hero at Large. And there was, we don't have a, a pennant now up, do we? A no. Cocker City green and white pennant. And he said several times he was from Cocker City, Kansas. And he just thought they... Yeah, made those word that name up, and on a, uh, a radio interview in Kansas City, people heard that. And uh, no, no when he said it, it, when he said it, where it was just, from, did he spell it right? It. Yeah. Did he yes. spell oh, it? Oh yes, it oh even, he spelled it right. It was even C A W K E R. Wow. Uh, and because uh, every time I try to do it, put it into Google Maps, it always spells it C O C K E R. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> but but just a quick back to uh, 
Linda here looked up on Google uh, about Paul Harvey, and it said that he had a radio station that had studios in Salina, Kansas. Salina, Salina, yep. Kansas. Yeah. Okay, and then from there he moved to a new casting job at KOMA in Oklahoma City. So he does have a connection to Kansas. Yeah. 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 That's that's cool because you had said so. so Salina. Salina. Yep. I'm going to say it wrong again. <laughs> so. But we've had people people come from everywhere there this morning before we came down here. You know, what was there? There was Wisconsin, Arkansas, I don't know, several, couple other states already this morning. Why would you miss the world's ball of twine? And I just did it. I just did an interview recently, and it's going to be in an area magazine. And the interviewer just laughed the whole time. She's lived close all of her life, <laughs> and Campbell couldn't believe it. You know, there's there's people away from here know know about it, but Kansans don't necessarily know about. Oh, really? Line. No, I think they're embarrassed. Well, this no, you'll is find always... that everywhere. Oh, yes. You'll find that everywhere. You know, you always know about the Great Pyramids, and you always know about, you know, mm -hmm. the Eiffel Tower, but you don't know what's in your own backyard. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Virginia, and a lot of people didn't know, you know, half the stuff that was in our state. You know, and that's the way I'm sure... Oh, yes, it's everywhere. Here, ...is that, you know, you just don't know what's in your own backyard, because it's so common to you, because you see about it all the time, and you just don't think twice about it, but then... You know, then you but yet when families like, oh, wow. come, yeah. they always come back. They always want their picture taken there. Uh -huh. And it's, it's, that is funny. And this woman, you know, she had seen it all these years and as a child. And people wow. do this. But when I had two gentlemen sign that they were from Antarctica, I thought Mongolia was a stretch that people came. And they were young fellows and they worked there. Uh, half about half a year and come back to the states when it's the worst and they go back and I asked them what was your jobs and they gave me both of them gave me these lots of words and one of them said cook and the other one was a mechanic <laughs> and you know uh, everybody knows about it and they, they like you know it's in, in uh, TV programs uh, Podcasts, right? People come and do interviews, and we talk. And uh, I do a lot with online uh, uh, stories that they, they, you know, they want to put out there. Well, this must and, be an awesome paying job for you to oh, be the is. bell of the ball. It is. Uh, <laughs> for uh, my husband was still alive, and for. Uh, you know, he said I should have said no, and I didn't when I agreed to do to do this in in the early 1990s, and uh, for over 10 years yet, we wore out two weed eaters weeding around. You know, because you can't you can't get it all just with a mower, and uh, uh, it's a volunteer job <laughs> with with lots of love. You One know, of those ones that they couldn't pay you enough to do, but right. you do it every day for free. I love people. So, I, you know, there are so many interesting people, and they tell me so many interesting stories when they come. Uh, they come for, for reasons that we wouldn't necessarily think about it. I, I thought one that was kind of fun was, this was last fall, this couple was here, and they had met on a dating app. And one of the questions... I believe she asked, uh, 
her perspective dates was uh, if you drove past the big ball of twine, what would you do? <laughs> and she was she had been fascinated by it for many years. I think from, they were from South Dakota, or maybe it was North Dakota. And uh, uh, he obviously answered. He would pull over and stop and see it because for her birthday then they came to Cocker <laughs> City to see the ball of twine. Uh, that one was a different one. I mean, you know, bucket list. Yeah. Students just out of high school, bucket list. It was always on my bucket list. If like I said, I, I think when you're coming across the interstate <laughs> through southern Kansas, it says there's a turnoff that, that mm -hmm. actually says world's largest ball of twine. And you guys are how far from, what is it, Interstate 70? Interstate 70. Uh, yeah. And Interstate 35. And how far are you guys from Interstate 70? And, and they've got it advertised down there on a sign that if you want to go to the world's largest ball of twine, it's only 200 miles north yes. or something, you know, and you're going, not quite that much. It's not quite that far, but, <laughs> but you're going, who's going to pull off and go see the world's largest ball of twine? But it's always been on my list. So when we were coming last year, we were going to Mardi Gras, I said, we're going across Kansas and we're finding the world's largest ball of twine. I mean, it was a, it was a destination thing to come see on our way to someplace else. Agreed. Well, see, and yeah, that's why you're here? Right, yeah, yeah. I uh, was working in a hospital in Richmond, Virginia, and got kind of burned out and ready to just figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. So I'd always said I wanted to drive Route 66, drive across America, see the the weird little offbeat roadside attractions. And so... The blue uh, whale's cool, and, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> it is. But, uh, you know, and I, I joked. I was like, I'm going to stop at every world's largest ball of twine there is, right? Mm -hmm. Now, of course, I didn't go to see the one in in uh, Minnesota that Weird Al sings about, but I did come mm -hmm. through here. And when I was planning out my trip, I looked up, and the, mm -hmm. the sole reason why I came to Kansas was to see this ball of twine. And I came into town... <laughs> And uh, ended up staying the night in the in the inn across the the way the the old uh, the gas station. gas station inn and uh, and here we are you know uh, saw that there was a building for sale and and just decided this is where I needed to be so yeah and it was and the only reason why I came to the state of Kansas was to see the ball of twine and I was on Route sixty six in Oklahoma City and drove up through, from there and uh, and how far out of the way is that. Uh, it's, it's an all day, eight hour trip. Okay. And then from there I went into Nebraska to see, uh, Carhenge. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've seen Oh that. yeah, we've been to yeah. Carhenge. Yeah. Actually, yeah. we're on our way to, uh, Truckhenge, oh, which yeah. is just down the road here in, uh, Topeka. Yeah. Tomorrow okay. we've got to go do, we're going to do the Evil Knievel Museum okay. and the Combat Museum and they've got Truckhenge there and we're spending the night. All it's right. got a campground. So we're spending the night at Truckhenge. Right, so I don't have to add that because I saw a lot of hinges on my way out of here. Well, yeah. and we and we did go see the they, they've got a Stonehenge recreation on the Columbia River in Ori in, in Washington. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that oh, one's man. really cool. It's a World War One vet uh, memorial is, is yeah. what the guy did it for, but it's it's exact reproduction of of Stonehenge, and uh, we did a couple of yoga videos there. But yeah, there's, I'm trying to hit all the henges I can find right now, right. and there's I saw one, a truck henge, so there we go. There's <laughs> one right outside of Chicago, and on the see Chicago's in Illinois, or not Chicago, but um, St. Louis. So okay, so St. St. Louis is in Missouri, so it's I guess the Illinois side. Okay, of it or Indiana, whichever state is a. I think it's Illinois, geography, but geography isn't the best. But it's 
Coffeeville or Coleyville or something like that. And there's an ancient, uh, some Native American uh, mounds that were done. Oh, and okay. they made a hinge out of wood. So it's wood hinge. Oh, and really? you can still see, they've actually put the post back, but they found where all the little posts used to be. And it, it lines up exactly with the meteorological you know, in the stars and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And it's been there, you know, 1200 years or something like that. And, you know, so that's, I don't know if that's really on cool. our way or not. We're going, our next one's going to be the, El, uh, after Topeka, we're going to, we're going to spend a day in independence and then we're going to go to, uh, uh, the Ark encounter. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. And Kentucky? that's in Northern yeah, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're kind of excited about that one too. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's, there's a lot of people that, uh, like to see things yeah. and and they for different reasons uh i had two ladies wanted to meet me and they were from i knew they were from shreveport louisiana and they said they were celebrating their 50th birthday well where are you going from here i asked of course well they turned and said we, we have to get back home we came here this we were their destination <laughs> mostly it's it's because they're going someplace and they see what there is to see, look up right. to see what there is to see. But it's crazy that sometimes we are a destination and, and yet people around here, you know. Well, and Cocker's a, a really small town. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I think I walked all the way around it this morning in about an hour. Uh, it, I kind of hit. It's a one mile square. Okay. And, and, I don't think I walked all the way around it. I probably only did about a mile and a half this morning, but uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, we did that, and then well, you've got a over here in your park. Mm -hmm. You've Behind. got a you've got another gazebo, mm -hmm. and weren't you saying that the ball of twine was housed in that for a while until it outgrew that gazebo? They right. picked it up. Yeah. It it was where the ball is now. Okay, but when they were building that cover for it. Rather than discarding it, I mean, it was it's right. still a nice redwood yes. gazebo. Very nice. So it was lifted with a crane and moved and put in place there. They had put, oh, that, okay. they put that cement down to do it. So this ball just keeps outgrowing its surroundings. What are you guys going to do when it infringes on the highway? I don't think I don't think that's <laughs> quite impossible. That's rather impossible. <laughs> well. Um, the picture over there uh, shows the women in front of it. They're the ones who, who built it back in 1884. Um, actually, uh, what happened was that uh, um, the men here in town had started a, a magazine subscription club, and that was kind of the beginnings of a library. But uh, over the years, they, they lost half the books that they had purchased, and so uh, when the women became more numerous in town, uh, they took it upon themselves to, to uh, build the library. And uh, um, it cost all of $800, which they raised themselves. Um, they were always so proud that this was not a Carnegie library. Um, and they even paid the extra $25 for the gingerbread. So it was $825. But um, they laid the cornerstone on a on a uh, uh, on Thanksgiving Day of 1884, and uh, it went, it was done then in, in um, about April of the following year. But um, they waited until the Fourth of July to have the dedication ceremonies, and then 
unfortunately, it rained voluminously. Um, they ended up having to have hold most of the service. There was a, a, a um, skating rink over, over by the, where the Baptist Church is today. But um, since 1885, um, it's been the, the, uh, the um, library until 1971. That was when uh, the town took the auditorium and they converted it into the public library and then city offices and then a, uh, a, a work area for the city crew. And so the, the library moved out and the city gave this over to a, a panel of, of a board here in town. And that was the beginnings of the Historical Society. And that was uh, when we celebrated the centennial of Cocker City. And just last year, um, we were, this year we're celebra celebrating 151 years oh, wow. <laughs> of the founding of Cocker City. Well, this the the museum's housed in in this library now, right? And it's it's small. Uh, we're probably what fifteen foot wide and twenty five or thirty foot long, something like yeah. that. It's not a really yeah. big library, but uh, you said it was built by women. They raised the money. Oh, they raised the money. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's it's a limestone building. Um, we have, we're in what's called the post rock era, uh, area. Um, there's a certain layer of the of the the um, uh, land land Kansas was at one time under the ocean okay. and so there's a layer that is particular it has uh, it's a, a sandstone but it has a, an orange streak in the middle and that's a layer of iron that deposited uh, while it was still underwater and that area, the, the iron actually makes that much harder. And so th okay. this layer is about eight, between eight and 10 inches thick, and it covers a, a large swath of Kansas. And uh, they dig it out, and uh, they originally used them for the posts for the fences because there were no trees out here. Oh. Um, but it was a good, easy, uh, uh, material to work with and so they they of course used it for the buildings because uh, there wasn't a lot of lumber out here huh. and then and then uh another point i wanted to get to with you is uh i found the story of how cocker got its name <laughs> that, that that's another uh interesting point that i definitely want to bring up again it has kind of an interesting spelling c-a-w-k-e-r and uh, the way right it there. got its name is, is go for it, Steve. Okay. Well, uh, I'm pointing to the pictures of, of the four gentlemen that, that were the investors um, that got together in Milwaukee. And each of the investors uh, were to uh, put up $15,000. And then they were going to come out here to Kansas and found a, a town. And uh, What was their reasoning for founding the town? Make money. <laughs> Okay. Selling, sell the land. Oh, okay. Um, you know, okay. So when you can take a parcel of land, you know, for pennies on the dollar as a homestead, right. you can divide, subdivide it into little lots okay. and sell it for a lot of money. Okay. It was a get rich quick scheme mm. okay. in, in the day. Um, didn't quite work out that way, but <laughs> um, anyway, what, what happened was that, uh, um, okay, Colonel Cocker had just turned 21 and he had inherited his father's land he was a, the only offspring that survived there were there were four uh, children and he was the only one that 
survive to manhood. And uh, so the, the land was uh, near Milwaukee. In fact, it was within the city limits by that time. And so um, he had some money to play with. And uh, the gentleman right behind him is his stepfather. Um, Mr. Cocker's father died when he was just two years old. And uh, Mr. Rice then uh, married his mother. And um, so he was the second partner. And then Mr. Kashinka over to the right um, was in there. There was a, they were in the a law and real estate business in Milwaukee. And so uh, the three of them were together in business. And then Mr. Kishinka knew uh, Mr. Huckle from Pennsylvania. Both of those gentlemen had lived in Tawanda, Pennsylvania. And so that was the connection there. And so they got together and uh, pledged their money. And then they needed to come up with a name. And each one of them had a name for the town. Uh, we could have been Riceburg, Kishinkaville, or Huckleville. And first, okay, because because Cocker because Cocker and Rice had a familiar r relationship um, when they they played a game of Seven Up, which is was a normal way of uh, whenever there was a tie for an election, they always played a game of Seven Up. It was just the thing to do, and so um, they split up in teams. Uh, uh, Cocker was with Kashinka, and then Rice and Huckle were together. So the two against two, they played it uh, the first hand and Cocker and Kishinka won. And then so they played each other and Cocker came out on top. And the great thing is there's not another Cocker city in the entire world. <laughs> and it was all done because of a card game. Yes. Right. <laughs> That's how we came to be. <laughs> isn't, isn't that just amazing? <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's kind of a fun story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. but, and then we ended up with this museum, and we, we got a grant. Yeah, and yeah heritage it trust fund grant to have the, the repointing done. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also had some foundation work done because, you know, the, the floor, there were, there were always termites. That was a big problem. Um, and so uh, we've, we've dug out uh, below here and, and put a cement uh, um, pad underneath here to keep the moisture out. It, it is so much nicer in here, here now. Um, we had black mold growing everywhere and, you know, it, it was, um, you yeah, it needed a lot of work. <laughs> but now we're up and running and we're working on another building, which is, you know, much bigger and um, because we've got lots of stuff in storage. Yeah, this is this is kind of small quarters, but, but there got, were, it's yeah, very nice. There were laid lots out. of shelves, and I when I came to town, I just it was still here, and it's where I checked library books out. And uh, people that grew up here and used to come here to the library, they'll say, "Well, they sat right over here, so they had the light, and they would sit and read Nancy Drew <laughs> and different books and all." But uh, when Steve was was doing the interior interior here, uh, was it seven layers of paper or ten? I've forgotten now. No, but anyway, he he stacked them up. So he we have the ladies kept meticulous records of everything, and so he knew about when. And this is the reason. As you look around the top, there's that was some of the. Uh, uh, 
That is the original wall. The original wall. It was red. No, it's faded. Yes, of course. It's what looks pink was actually a, a red, uh, and the beautiful frieze at the top. The funny thing is, um, all the subsequent layer, the, the the tie rods, they they started the wall over there in that corner started to separate, and so they had to put in tie rods. And um, this is the only layer of wallpaper that was on the wallpaper that didn't have to be cut to to go around oh. the tie rod. Oh, oh <laughs> and, they, and, and he's left several spots of the old wallpaper up in here so you can see just what it looked like. Yeah, we, and we it's, wanted, it's a wanted, really decorative wallpaper. Yeah, we went, well, the, the wallpaper, is, it's a solid color. It's a frieze that is really neat. And, yeah. and we do want to have it uh, uh, reconstruct, you know, rebuilt, redone, uh, you know, uh, reproduced is what I'm saying. And uh, we want to get it put back originally the way it was. Now that all the, the you know, the, the um, cabinets here were cut up, um, everything what you see now is the way it was originally. Okay. Um, in 19- so the bookshelf and... I mean, right. that's a beautiful the, bookshelf. Yes. I haven't even mentioned the fact we have this rock collection, yes. and that was here originally. And in fact, that's why these cabinets are the way they are. The, the rock collection is down below with the books up above. Um, and they and they kept running out of book shelving space, and that's why they kept adding more and more shelving. But in, in 1911, they took the cabinets uh, from the east side of the building and on the north... And they stacked them, the, the, these little interesting corner, corner cabinets. Right. They, they went all the way to the ceiling. And, oh, then, wow. the, and then the beautiful inscrip- inscription, Cabinet Gift of G.W. Chapman, mm-hmm. um, the top of that actually touched the ceiling there on the west oh, side. Uh-huh. Um, but when I took off uh, the wallpaper, you could see exactly on the, the, uh, the shadows on the uh, plaster where everything was originally. And there were enough parts of the original cabinets left that I was able to reconstruct what was missing. That's cool. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is just... And then something amazing. else. You guys have a really cool little town park, but off to the side of the town park, you've got a horse water. Always it, more it, than that. Yeah. Okay, well, let, let's hear the story. <laughs> okay. And it's got a really cool inscription, so we're, we're going to hear the story. Well, the Cockers, uh, when they came out here, uh, two of their daughters, well, actually, they had three, three daughters. One, one passed, didn't make it, and uh, she, was, she died in, as an infant. Um, the two daughters that were born here, the first one, Pauline, was the first child born in Cocker City. And then a few years later, then um, uh, uh, El, uh, Eleanor, uh, no, Lenora, Lenora, excuse me, Lenora, was born and she never married and when the family then moved back to milwaukee uh she was into taking care of animals and in fact became the the uh, um, dog catcher as it were uh, for milwaukee and so her job then was to take care of the animals she turned the house in the barn into a a, a hospital for animals and uh, she, she walked around with a pistol so that if your horse went down, you know, she would finish it off and oh get rid of it humanely for you. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we don't think about these huge cities having all these animals that are just running loose or everybody had a horse, everybody had a milk cow, chickens, I mean, a lot of things. 
But anyway, so she really devoted her entire life uh, to taking care of animals. And um, when, uh, in 1914, uh, she decided to uh, uh, give the city a, a fountain. And what it is is a, a, a horse watering trough on one side, and then on the other, um, there's a fountain for people. And then down below, there are two little shallow dishes um, that are filled with water for dogs and cats. And then the inscription, the inscription above the the portion where the people uh, can drink from, it says, "A merciful man is merciful to his beast." Uh, and then on the other side, where the horses are, um, are there's there's a big plaque that says, "You know, given in memory of Colonel Cocker uh, for founding the town." It, and it's it's a really neat fountain. I mean, this thing stands probably five foot tall and it's it's another five foot wide and it's got a horse trough on the one side that's about the size of a bathtub i guess yeah and it's just it's, it's all designed for watering everybody it's just cool it, it's made of vermont granite okay i was gonna say yeah. what's and it, it made out of here it, oh really yes. oh yeah. wow what what two ten well, I, I can't remember i've I, seen I, i've seen amounts i i can't think i can't i don't remember the but I, exactly so it must, it must have been brought here by rail. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and then in and 1914, they would have been probably right there at that, whether it was brought in by, by a truck or by one of the merciful beasts. Well, <laughs> we did have I, know, I, know, I know they had to get a company from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska to actually do the installation. I do remember that part of it. Huh. Um, but we had rail service here uh, um, in 1879, uh, the railroad came to town. Oh wow! So it definitely came here by rail, um, but getting it from the the depot to where it stands today um, was definitely quite a quite a task. But you know, in 1914, I mean, we already had cars. 1906, we we had one of the earliest uh, car dealerships uh, in the area. Oh really, uh, Mr. Hudkins. And uh, um, he did a land office business. I mean, um, he was selling Fords. He, he, he had several varieties there at the beginning, but then he took over the Ford agency. And he became so uh, wealthy, <laughs> um, he ended up moving to Salina and had a big car agency there. Um, but yeah, um, we were... The, what made his uh, shop, you know, really... Uh, uh, do uh, a lot of business was the fact that he had a garage where you could get them worked on. See, a lot of places sold cars, but you couldn't get repairs done. And he oh. had a garage in association to with his agency. And, um, you know, it, it oh. worked out really well for him. Well, cool. So you guys have been booming, booming big time for 150 years. <laughs> it sounds like rail came here early and and all of that that's, yeah, that's and, just way neat you know and but but it's a still a really small town this town has that small town feel in fact a lot of kansas uh coming through this northern part the way that we have uh, kansas just kind of has a small town feel still are you guys still really community oriented uh i know like where we're from we have community i mean we're, we're in a town of 1800 people uh, communities there, but it seems like it's also not. You know, you have you have the local theater, 
and they put on uh, concerts or something like that, and you maybe get a hundred people to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody would rather sit home and watch TV or play on their computer. It, it seems like your your lodges, uh, the Lions Club and the Kiwanis and all those don't have anybody anymore. And it seems like community has just basically starved out. You know, it, it's not like it used to be where the communities would come together for the big uh, festivals and, and all that kind of stuff. Is Kansas gone that way too? I mean, these towns Definitely. just, just when, I, when I'm here, it feels different. But it's just because I'm an outsider more than See, likely. When, when I was growing up, um, when they were putting in the lake, um, <clears throat> Cocker was able to, up to 800 people. Um, and so, you know, going through high school here, you know, I was the la- the tail end of the uh, baby boom generation. So, you know, I, I still had, uh, you know, a big class that, uh, it, you know, now we've given up the high school here in town. They go over to, to Downs. So, you know, we're, I, I don't remember, I haven't heard what the, the latest census record for Cocker is, what the number um, but we've definitely gone down. <laughs> we Except feel for it. Matt. Matt moved in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> People yeah, move through. <laughs> but, I mean, we still have community as we, we you know, we're, we do things. I mean, like, I'm wearing this uh, Kansas Storytelling Festival. This is over in Downs. Put a plug in for our neighboring town, but I'm on the board of that, too. <laughs> um, you know, that's a yearly event. And uh, with the lake out here, you know, we've got a lot of uh, activities that go on out there that we're, you know, people are all involved in. Uh, you know, we have, uh, they, they tell uh, ghost stories out there at, at Halloween, and, and the, they have the Indian dancers, that'll be coming up in October. The they Native start, American Indian Festival, October, the okay. second. You know, they, they start out uh, the 1st of January. If you want to go hiking, um, they have a, a, a get-together to go hiking the first day of, of the year. Um, and the big thing, of course, is the 4th of July celebration out at the lake. Um, the past at least two years, they've had the dueling pianos come in. They, They're they coming again this year, July the 3rd. Oh, really? We'll have yeah. all, all day long. There will be activities, games, and all out of the cool. lake. And then, it, it's really and then great. the concerts and then uh, the, the fireworks. huge fireworks. I mean, it, it's quite a show. Wow. So people come. Yeah. <laughs> and the, last year was our first year to resurrect the uh, Native American Indian Festival. And, That's good. That's good. Like, I can't go out there. I do, I do drama, I do different things, but I could not go out there and be a part of it. I mean, I work with it and organize it and get, but it's only Native Americans with the papers will okay. be, they, they're the dancers, they're, they're the drummers, they tell the stories, they... Uh, the public's invited, right? Oh yes, everyone yes. can yeah. go. And it's, they're, you know, they're talking about more of the tribes with their powwows and all this getting to be more because we do have a lot of Native American uh, Indian history here, the Wakanda, oh, absolutely. Okay. with the Wakanda yeah. Springs and the, the Indians came in, uh, uh, they were using it, the springs for so long before the, uh, now, are they the hot pioneers springs? came. No. They're just minerals. Just minerals. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They cured everything. 
Okay. And, and also gave extra strength. I mean, if you're going into battle, you wanted to, to be able to pull your bow. bow and now, wasn't Dugan. there a story about a Native American princess and a prince who yes, were in love and the father, uh, the woman killed the, the man and mm -hmm. it's just, you know, mm -hmm. those kind of stories that go along with well, it. Well, I need to hear the story. Now that you got it started, Steve's going to have to tell it. He's a yeah. historian here. Well, there are too many versions of it. it, it it's kind of Give us the goriest one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid the, the Romeo and Juliet story is kind of the, the white version. <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the real Shakespeare, Shakespeare did some uh, plagiarizing. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> the story that is promoted, uh, you know, since, uh, you know, the white men has come out here is that there were two competing uh, tribes and the the um, uh, the son from one tribe chief and the daughter of the other tribe competing tribe chief uh, fell in love and uh, there was a battle that took place there at the the springs and um, the lover was killed it fell into the springs and so the daughter then jumped in to be with her lover um, forever okay yeah. we were just in Tucumcari uh, did a route 66 podcast mm -hmm. and they had a story something like that you know mm -hmm. Tucum was was one uh, was was the male part and Carrie was uh, was a female part and there was a love Romeo Juliet story with that one too and they say that's how Tucum Carrie got its name mm -hmm. so I think that story must be. It's a universal. You know, it's, it's, it's a universal yeah, story. Yeah. You use but it, it to fit your. Right, right. Well, and, yeah. and who knows? You know, it may have happened a hundred different times or a thousand different times. Well, because we know there's a record of so many of the Indian tribes did come mm -hmm. there, and they were around here, but they they came specifically for this reason, and then it was turned into a sanitarium where uh, you could like a hospital. You could okay. go and you could bathe and you could drink. This was before the uh, body cleansing uh, fad hit us. You oh, know? okay. I mean... The, so can you still use the springs? I mean, are they... No, it's, 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 it's now in the lake, lake, right? There's a boy out marking the spot. Oh, so now you got to dive down to it. <laughs> Unfortunately, they, they bulldozed the hotel into, they had to cap the, the springs because it's a, it's a fresh spring, a, a fresh water lake, and so they couldn't have the salt water from the springs seeping into the lake, so they, they had to, to plug it. Wow. So that's, that's the Today, hardest. Today, the lake would have been where some had tried to get it just a few miles, the dam, a few miles east. That, that seems like it west. would have made more sense. But, uh, you know, it depended on how powerful your influence was. I mean, politics played... Po <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, you know, I mean, when we can change uh, for a, a polywog or a whatever, you know, because something was going to be put there. Uh, now the Native American history... They did put it in. They different. did try to make it into a a, a national monument for the Indians. Right. But 
in the sixties the politics was, it wasn't as right we totally didn't, different. It, it didn't, didn't mean as so. much then, and right. uh, mm -hmm. so that's why uh, having the uh, the festival here and having them do it and uh, they, uh, we can all learn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Some some of what we hear we don't like to hear, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's history is what it what it is. Right. It isn't just it was. <laughs> right. It still is, but uh, that's why you see the name Wakanda. It's called Wakanda Lake, mm -hmm. uh, Glen Elder State Park. Okay. But, one of the things about the springs uh, was that the Indians would come and, and give offerings to the Great Spirit, which was in the water. And so they would toss things into the springs. And um, when they, you know, uh, drained it to um, work on it and get it ready, you know, they had to clean it out when they made it into the sanitarium. Um, they, they brought up a lot of artifacts uh, and unfortunately, all that stuff has been scattered. We don't know, you know, where all that stuff is, you know, little by little, it's it's. But just there were lots of arrowheads and beads. You could yeah, walk uh, around it. They said that you could walk anywhere beads. up there and, and find the Indian beads just everywhere. They were scattered everywhere. There were so many of them. Wow. Uh, that had been thrown. So now we have made a, a re replica. It was actually done some years ago, but it was never, it, well, it, you know, technology and all things, they just like with that way, they've learned with the building different things that should have been done a little differently. So mm -hmm. now we have it fixed. So some of the original wrought iron fence is, okay. is, is around it. Uh, and there's a mound and uh, there's not water in it. There will soon be because of the freezing. And, but as you walk up to it, you can learn like at least eight tribes, the stories wow. of them coming here and uh, tells the history of the, of the springs itself and then the dam building. Yeah, the mound, the mound uh, that they built is, is uh, I think it was 20 or 21 feet high mm -hmm. um, and it's only a quarter size of the original pond, you know, the, the spring right. itself. It's just a circular it's just thing. A, but it does give you an idea of, you know, the elevation and, and you know, the view that you would have had. Um, huh. So, so the spring was up in a mountain? or What, what happened was the, the, spring, the spring would overflow. And oh, so the, and minerals, then, the minerals then would dry out right. and, it, and there were, it, it created layers and it just kept oh. building up. Okay. Okay. And so even though the, the riverbed was right next to it, um, there was a, the mound that the spring was on. Yep. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We've got a town called Thermopolis in Wyoming that's got the world's largest mineral hot spring. And they drove pipes down like in the early 1900s and that water would come out through the top and then it created these great big mounds that we have there. The water's still coming out the top and, and building. Yeah, it's it's cool. Well, can't do it anymore because nope. it's, it's a big lake. Well, let's go ahead and wind this down. It's been really enjoyable talking to you guys, learning about your town, yeah. and about the ball of twine. That's the big thing the big here. Thing. Yeah. But uh, you've got a website or a Facebook page yes. with the ball of twine. Why don't you tell us what those are? Ball of twine. It's not the ball of twine. It is just ball of twine. Right. Okay. Um, but the Facebook page. And is, Facebook yes. page. And then you've got a website also. No. Well, no. We just link. 
Okay. We, they have our information for the, okay. from the county, Mitchell County Tourism. Okay. And then the, the Cocker City, City has... The City of Cocker this, and the City has, of Cocker has City. A, a, a website. And we're all linked together. Okay. I mean, there's links on, on each of the pages of the Cocker City and the... And, the, uh, and I can tell you it's real easy to find. All you got to do is type in world's largest ball of twine in Cocker City and all right. of it comes up on Google. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the way that we found it several different times. We, so. are, we are everyone's ball of twine. Now, uh, the man in, in Minnesota that built his, they actually started them about the same time. But when he died... I mean, it's behind plexiglass. You just, you go and you look at it. You can't feel it? Well, it, I mean, this it, one here's hands on. You, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> yes, as, as you can, they, they will let, they will take you in and you can, some can, people can go in, but uh, it so doesn't there, have there's the... as largest by one man. Okay. And, but we just, we call ours the people's ball. I was going to say, yeah, because. Linda shows up and hands you a piece of string and you get to add to it. I mean, this is an interactive experience here. Right. Ours is living. Living, yes, yes it is. <laughs> it, it's always different because every time you come, it's it'll be bigger. bigger. <laughs> right. So anyway, well, I really appreciate you guys meeting with us today, talking to us and, and covering, I mean, we've covered a whole bunch from Kansas to Cocker to the Ball of Twine. And, and now we're going to go over to the Monster Museum I am excited about this. I've never been to a monster museum. And uh, we're going to see what's happening over here at Matt's place. Yeah. But uh, the way I like to finish these things out is I say the world is full of wonder. People need to get out and explore. There exactly. is things to see everywhere. And have an absolutely wonder-filled day. All the rolling go. Where am I to go, me Johnny? Where am I to go? For I'm a young and a sailor lad, and where am I to go?